Please join us for our service already in progress. Very rare. We drove all that way. We parked at a rest area just to kind of be in this certain place at a specific time to see a specific thing. And it was a solar eclipse. It was this just magnificent event that, you know, you've got to be in the right place at the right time. You can't be too far left or right or north or south or whatever. And it, and it kind of comes by. It's not very often. And we just decided, you know what, even though it's three and a half hours away, this is something we don't want to miss. So we drove all the way up. We parked at this rest area and we waited. We wanted to experience the full darkness. We didn't want to just, we wanted to, the, the, in its totality, we wanted to, to see what it was like because we'd never really experienced that before. So as we sat there at the, at, at the rest area, slowly but surely the moon started to move in front of the sun. And it has kind of created this just wonderful kind of effect on the, on the ground even. As you looked at the shadows in the trees, you could see little crescent shadows on the ground and and as you tried to look at it which you had to use special glasses to be able to see it was this just unique opportunity and as the moon passed further and further over the sun day turned to night darkness filled the area where we were and it was just like it was day it was nighttime but it was during the day it was one of those experiences that we'll never forget. We took pictures as best as we could. We took some, some videos, and I started to show those one of those videos this morning. And my son back there, Micah, he uh, told me it was too embarrassing and asked me not to show it. Um, so I decided not to. <laughs> but it was this one unique opportunity that happened. And then what happened, it really didn't last very long. It was only just a few minutes, and slowly the, the moon started to move away out of the way of the sun, and everything kind of happened in reverse, and eventually the day resumed. The sun came back and shined like it did before, and you would never have known something magical happened. I want to use that illustration this morning, and I'm sure a lot of y'all from Lexington probably saw that or witnessed that, and it was just a really unique experience something that doesn't come around maybe once or twice in a lifetime. And I think there is an illustration for us that our lives are similar, are fleeting. Like that eclipse, we have a momentary time in this life, and then we have an eternity waiting for us. And there are small opportunities that we get to see or experience something that can sometimes have a profound change on us. And just like the moon, it comes and there's an opportunity there, but sometimes the opportunity passes and we miss that opportunity. Just real quickly, think of a pivotal moment in your life. Maybe it was a job change. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was a financial decision. Maybe it was a time where you spent your life with you know, the wrong person or with the wrong group. Maybe it was just a momentary decision that you made that had profound consequences for good or for bad in your life. And I think we can all identify with this just time that we have where things make a difference. And in the Gospel of Matthew here, we have a, a, a narrative of, of the life of Jesus 
And it has some unique things to this gospel. And one of the things it uses is this phrase, the kingdom of heaven. So let's look back at Matthew chapter 3. Just reading through 1 and 3. And we're going to be skipping through kind of the gospel, catching up to where we're going to take off next week. But it says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now if you're reading out the ESV, it may say, Is at hand. And the reason I wanted to read it out of the CSB, because I like this opportunity that it says here, it says, has come near, like something is coming past you. It's this unique opportunity that you have here. And so as John the Baptist is the first one to kind of proclaim this message, he's saying, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is coming near us. It's something that's coming close to us. There's an opportunity coming to experience something, and you need to be ready for it. He goes on to say, for he who, who, who is the one spoken through the prophet Isaiah, this isn't someone, this is someone who was foretold of old, who said, a voice of one crying out of the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. So John the Baptist is saying this, repent, calling people to repentance, calling them to be prepared in their heart for the Messiah who is coming. And he says, this isn't something, this kingdom of heaven that is coming near is not just a thing, it's a person. It's Jesus. It is the one, he says, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. And in the book of Matthew, Matthew mentions this phrase, kingdom of heaven, 33 times. It's not accidental. Most of the other gospels, if you read them, will, will, as they tell the same story, they may use the phrase kingdom of God. And Matthew here changes this to kingdom of heaven because he's communicating to an audience who doesn't like using the, the, the name of God. And so he's using this phrase kingdom of heaven to kind of symbolize that there was this unique opportunity that happened in 2,000 years ago that Jesus, the Messiah, came to earth. It was something that here that John says, don't miss it. His call was for, for people to prepare themselves for what was coming, to repent. As I think about the first century Jews and what their lives were like. Just like us, I'm sure there was monotony. I'm sure there was just a daily routine of things that they did. They really had no other clue other than John the Baptist preaching here that something great was about to happen. They really didn't know that they were going to have the opportunity that everyone before and after longed for. This opportunity to, to see the Messiah, to see his hands and feet and to dwell with him and be with him. It was this unique opportunity that they had. Oftentimes I think to myself, now, what would it be like to be there during that time? You know, knowing what I know now, 2,000 years later, the excitement. This is just as we, we were driving to go see this eclipse, and, and all the kids were just so excited to see it. We just wanted to experience this in the same way, to get to experience Jesus on earth. In John, he takes these two concepts here. He's saying, like, the kingdom of heaven. And for Jews in that day, heaven was kind of a far-off place. 
It wasn't something that was easily attainable. There was a lot of talk about what that meant. What, what, what is heaven like? What is the afterlife like? And, it, and they would go to different religious teachers, and each one would kind of teach them something different. But yet John is saying, no, heaven isn't this thing that's far off. Rather, heaven is coming near to you and to me. It's something that is coming to dwell with us. It is coming to show us the way. To be the light in the darkness. Let's flip over to Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. It says, when he heard, he's talking about Jesus, that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, along the road by the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who live in darkness have seen a great light. And for those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And then Jesus began to preach, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. What's interesting about this, he's proclaiming the time has come. The darkness that the people, the spiritual darkness of the people of that time was coming to an end. They would get the opportunity to see the great light, the greatest light, as the kingdom of heaven came near them and Jesus dwelled with them. Jesus begins to repeat John's message here. And as people heard it, I'm sure they were interested. What, what, are the, what is he talking about? What are these preachers talking about? The kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of God? What is it that they're looking for? Well, the Pharisees, if you would go to a different religious group, one of those being the Pharisees and Sadducees, the Pharisees really, they believed in an afterlife. They believed in resurrection. It's a little bit different than how we perceive it, but... They did believe in that, and they taught that. But the Sadducees, who were really the power players of that day, didn't believe in any kind of afterlife. Death was the end. There was no afterlife. There was no heaven awaiting for us. And so even the religious leaders, when Jesus began to preach about this, and, and they were interested. They kind of wanted to know, what, what is this person going to tell us? Is this a prophet? Is he going to teach us something new about God and about his kingdom? They wanted to learn, but as they began to learn how different it was from their own perceptions, they began to reject it. So this idea of a kingdom was something that was veiled before this. It was really kind of didn't teach us a lot in the Old Testament about what heaven would be like. And so they wanted to know. So the kingdom of heaven to the average Jew was something that was very foreign to them. They didn't understand what that meant. But it was about to change. Because the kingdom was coming near to them. When he uses this word kingdom of heaven, he's talking about Jesus. And I think there is a reference here of this idea of Jesus' dual nature. The God-man coming to earth. He's connecting Jesus as a teacher, demonstrating what God is truly like. Like he was the, the window into the kingdom of God. And it wasn't by accident that the angels 
call him Emmanuel, God with us. He was God come to earth. Oftentimes we, we, we think about what heaven will be like. What will it be like to live forever with God? What will it be like to dwell with our Savior? I think it's something good to consider, but I think it's so beyond oftentimes what, what, we, what we can ever think or imagine. It's so different than the way that we perceive reality to understand forever and eternity in heaven. But what I love is that Jesus takes all these things and shows them to us and teaches us about them. Because he was the perfect intersection. The perfect intersection of holy and human. He was the one who embodied both of those things. The spiritual and the physical. The heavenly and the earthly. In May, my family, we went to the beach. We have a family tradition where we go to the beach in May. And uh, this year we watched the Chosen series. If you've never seen the Chosen series, it's a great series. You should watch it, check it out. Um, we, we, I, I tried to watch it when it first came out. I just didn't quite click with me. I didn't really. I watched like the first episode or two, and just was like, no, I think I'm going to pass. Uh, but this year at the beach, we sat down. We're like, let's just let's just watch this again. So we sat down and we watched it. And this time, it just grabbed a hold of me. It just grabbed me and I was hooked. Like we had to watch, you know, series one and series two. We had to watch the whole thing. And, and my favorite thing about it is how Jesus is portrayed in this series. He, he's portrayed unlike any movie has ever really portrayed him before. And as I watched interviews, Dallas Jenkins, the kind of writer and producer of the show, has said that his desire is to portray an authentic Jesus. And what I think is interesting about that show, the portrayal of Jesus there, I feel like is this unique perspective where they have combined this holy and human and brought Jesus together to display like Jesus struggled. Jesus, you know, he cried. He was hungry. He was tired. I mean, you get that perception, you're like, wow, I never really thought about that. I never really saw that before, but you experience it in a way that makes you identify with Jesus and helps you understand that Jesus can identify with you. So we talk about this idea of the kingdom of heaven is coming near and God dwelling with us. We serve a God who identifies with us, with our struggles and our trials and our tribulations. One thing also, as I realized, as I watched that series, I started to really think about my own perception of who Jesus was. And really question myself, is, is my perception of who Jesus is really what he would have been like? And I think that's a good question to ask, because sometimes we have this balance where if you watch movies, sometimes Jesus basically, you know, he, 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 he basically walks around and he has... You know, he, he teaches and has these dramatic pauses, and of course he's always wearing like a robe with probably a blue sash or red sash, depending on uh, you know, the movie. And he, he just comes across as this super holy man. And, and that's true, okay? He is holy. But yet sometimes we don't give enough credence to his humanity. 
And I started to really think, like, if I were to go and see him, if I lived 2,000 years ago and were able to kind of experience Jesus in his reality here in heaven, I mean, here on earth, what would, what would that be like? And ultimately, I, you know, I don't know, because I wasn't there. And I could read the Gospels and perceive from those, those stories and from the Bible what I feel like he would be like. Yet I know there's something that I'm missing. And ultimately, I decided, you know what, if I were to live there during that time, I doubt that Jesus would actually be what I would per- perceive or hope that he would be. Sometimes we, we put so much on Jesus to say, like, he's going to be everything that we ever hoped that he could be. And I think there's a misconstrued uh, foundation there in that we're putting our hopes and desires on him. Versus him being in the truest form everything that he should be and is. God and man together. See, Jesus didn't come to fulfill my expectations of who he was because that was the same mistake that the Jews made in their day. They, had their, their, they were looking for a Messiah to fulfill all these expectations. So when Jesus showed up and he didn't quite fit the bill, they rejected him. So Jesus didn't come to fulfill my expectations. Rather, he came to reflect the heart of the Father and to give his life on the cross. He came to be that perfect intersection of heavenly and earthly and to give his life as a ransom for you and me. Jesus was God. He was perfect. He was eternal. Jesus also suffered and cried and hungered and thirsted and ultimately died. Some realities of this kingdom of heaven. Number one, there is something bigger for you and I to know and experience in this life. Just like for the Jews of that day, there was something bigger for them to know and experience that they didn't get from the religious leaders of that day. And Jesus came to show them that and teach them that. It was an opportunity for them to perceive through Jesus the heart of the Father. So Jesus is the perfect window of what the kingdom of heaven is truly like. Turn over another page to Matthew chapter 5. Verse 18. Here, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He says, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus came to preach about a free but costly kingdom. The religious leaders of that day had made really pursuing God and knowing God so unreachable by the normal people. They were constantly told they weren't good enough, they weren't clean enough, they weren't righteous enough. Their perception 
was focused primarily on fulfilling the laws of God, and in doing so, they missed the heart of God. And likewise, we have to be wary of fashioning anything out of our own perceptions and desires that may not be true to the Word of God and what God is really trying to say to us. We have to be founded and rooted in the Word of God, and we have to find a way to live this out in the real world. That's what Jesus came to teach us. That's what Jesus came to show us how to do. Understanding how to live the kingdom of heaven here on this earth. But we have a choice to make. We have to either, when we read this and we, we read these stories about Jesus and, and decide, who is he? Just like the, the Jews of that day, who is he? Is he the Messiah? Is he just some crazy prophet? Is he a madman? Do we dismiss it or do we believe it and follow it? If you're of my generation, um, I was born in 79, you'll probably remember these. They were just a fad in the 1990s, the WWJD bracelets. My wife and I were talking the other day about how much I wish I had one because I wanted to give one to Micah, my son, to help him think about the decisions that he makes and what Jesus would want him to do. As we had those, they were supposed to be a reminder for us always to consider what Jesus would want us to do in any particular situation. You know, and there, there was this kind of conversation that happened. Well, really, should we be wondering what, what we think that Jesus would want us to do? Or should we really go in and look at what Jesus did and then try to emulate that? However you want to take that, whatever kind of reminder that that was to you, ultimately, I hope it pointed you to Jesus to help you understand that he is the best way for us to understand what we should do and how to live out the Christian life on a regular basis. He is the picture of the Father to us. He is the perfect fulfillment of the law in heart and in action. And so when we come to consider him and consider what we must do with him and how that affects our life, we have to understand that this kingdom of heaven is something that we live out every single day. We make choices, something that we choose to live out every single day. In Matthew chapter 13, I'm just going to read through these quickly. Jesus in rapid fire tells these parables. Tells these parables where he compares this kingdom of heaven to things that we understand and that we know. In Matthew 13, 24, he says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. In Matthew 13, 31, he says the kingdom of heaven must, is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. In 13, 33, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who took and mixed uh, into 50 pounds of flour until all, until all of it was leavened. In verse 44, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied, and in his joy he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. In 
And 47, he says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a large net thrown into the sea. And in 52, he said to them, every teacher of the law who has come, become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom treasures new and old. Jesus told them these parables. He explained to them the truths of God in ways that they could understand. These were the deep things of God, these stories that were so simple that a child could understand and get something out of them, but yet were so deep that even the disciples didn't fully understand all that Jesus was saying. So he taught these truths in a way that people could understand and remember. And he, he came not to confuse, but rather with compassion to teach his people what God was really like. He used things that people interacted with on a regular basis, whether it was bread or whether it was fish or whether it was you know, land, to help them understand that God knows about what their life is like. God knows what their life is like. He connects these earthly illustrations with these heavenly truths so that we can bring heaven into the real world. So that we can bring and live out heaven here on earth. And as much as we kind of focus on this idea of, of living forever with God, and that is something to be desired and something to be looked look forward to. I desire it more and more. The older I get, I just think there's so much struggle and so much strife and so much injustice and so many difficulties in this life. As I get older, I think, man, I long for that day where I can finally be at peace with my Savior. Now, we think about this oftentimes. Sometimes we can be, you've probably heard the phrase, so heavenly minded that we're not any earthly good. And I think it's important for us to understand that Jesus, as much as he calls us to serve him and follow him, and ultimately we do spend forever with him, he is still calling us to do things here on this earth. He's calling us to make a difference in the community around us. He's calling us to have conversations with our neighbors. He's calling us to live out a testimony that would impact the people that we come into contact with. So there is this element of the kingdom of heaven that is forever and that is eternal, but there is this element of the kingdom of heaven that is here and that is now. And I think that's what Jesus is partially trying to tell them. That it, it matters what we do for forever, but it also matters what we do today. And that the kingdom of heaven should impact our everyday actions. In Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. I love this idea. It says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I remember my dad teaching me how to drive. I remember him trying to teach me how to use a stick shift. I didn't start out on an automatic. He made me go straight for the hard stuff. And finally, when I was able to figure that out and learn how to drive, I got my license. 
After I had a little bit of experience driving, my parents bought me a, a used uh, a 1989 Toyota pickup truck. It was red. It was beautiful. I loved that thing. It's four-wheel drive. All the things that I would want. It was new to me. It wasn't brand new, but it was new. And, and finally, when I got the keys to that truck, I was like, now it becomes mine. Now I get to drive it. Well, like every young teenager who learns how to drive, it didn't take me long before I got in an accident. Even though I had the keys, the truck was now, had, had ran into the back of someone and was now disabled. You couldn't drive it. But Jesus here tells us in this passage, he says, I am going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I think this is important for us to understand as believers. That we hold the keys to the kingdom of God. The words that we speak, the stories that we tell, the truths that we share from God's word, these are the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus didn't just come to teach us about heaven, rather he gave us the keys to heaven. Those keys are the gospel truth of heaven and hell and how to know and how to be saved. Those keys are the truths of the gospel. That Jesus came and paid the penalty for our sin. That whoever would repent and believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life and become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And just like when I got that first vehicle, you have a, you have a decision to make about what you'll do with Jesus. When I was given the keys to that truck, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to get in, and I wanted to drive. When someone presents the gospel with someone, you're giving someone an opportunity for them to make a decision to follow Jesus. Matthew chapter 18. Two through four. Jesus calls a small child and had him stand among them. Truly, I tell you, he said, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus came to help us understand that we have to be like little children. That we have to be like little children in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. We have to humble ourselves. Repent from our sin. Follow after him. And so the reality is, this kingdom that Jesus talked about over and over and over again, that Matthew wrote about, is something that you have an opportunity to experience. Just like I shared at the beginning of my sermon, this unique thing that we chose to experience is kind of once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to, to go and experience a, a solar eclipse in its totality and, and just experience the, 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 the light to darkness to light again. You have the opportunity to experience something. Just like the Jews of that day, you, they had the opportunity to experience Jesus in flesh and blood. 
Jesus tells us the way to become a citizen of this kingdom. And you may have heard it a thousand times. You may have heard it 2,000 times. But God may be calling on your heart again. And in a similar way as that eclipse just happened for a moment. And the opportunity was gone to see that. God may be drawn on your heart. And the opportunity may be fleeting in your life for you to make a decision to follow Christ. If you're dealing with a prompting by God and the Holy Spirit to come to Him, I would just say don't delay. Don't, don't, don't miss out on the opportunity that God has for you. As He's calling you and drawing you to Himself, respond. Because oftentimes, what, you know, it, just as if we were going to, to see this eclipse, but had other things I could have done. I could have, have spent, you know, mow the grass. I could have done everything else and filled my day with things that, that didn't matter and missed something spectacular. In the same way, when Jesus is calling on our life, we have a decision to respond in a moment. And as we make a decision, just like the decisions that we had you think about at the beginning of the sermon, that will change the trajectory of your life forever. Because one thing that Jesus wasn't hesitant to talk about, just as much as he talked about the kingdom of heaven, he also talked about hell. He also talked about the other place that people would go. So if you're dealing with that prompting, I would just say don't delay, come to Jesus. And if you're wondering what it'll cost you, there's a famous quote by Jim Elliot that says, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. C.S. Lewis also shared, says this, he says, There are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. If you're wondering what following Jesus will cost you, it'll cost you more than probably you're willing to give. But the reward is far greater than you could ever imagine. So today, as we close, I just ask you this, is God working in your heart today? Is he stirring you to make a decision today? Do you know where your citizenship lies? Is it in the world or is it in the kingdom of heaven? You don't know how much time you have to make a decision for Christ. As a pastor, I've seen those opportunities in people's lives come and go. I've seen people just hold on to the pew because they don't want to respond. But then I've also seen people let go and surrender. So this morning, we're just going to have a short time of invitation. Just for a few minutes, and then we're going to uh, partake of the Lord's Supper together as we end our service. So this morning, just as we, as we have this time and after I pray, I'm just going to be standing out front. If God is leading you to respond... I pray that you would let go and follow him. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. God, I just pray for those who, Lord, you're working in their life. Lord, you're seeking 
and drawing them close to yourself. God, I pray that they would not delay. Lord, I pray that they would respond today for all the things that you're calling them to do, calling them to surrender. Lord, that you would just reveal your truth to their heart today, that they are a person in need of a Savior, that they are someone that you love enough to come and pay the ultimate price on the cross for. I pray all this in Jesus' name.